to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would send the gifts of the same Holy Spirit that you poured out on this very day so many years ago on Pentecost, that you would give us ears to hear you, soft hearts to receive your word, and that you would bless my preaching to be useful to your people and for your purposes. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. In England, where I grew up, one of the staple features of every children's birthday party is a game called Pass the Parcel, um, where you beforehand you take a present and you wrap it in multiple layers of wrapping paper and you put a small gift in between each layer of wrapping and as it passes around then everyone who takes turns opening it gets a little gift and so it's just sort of like this um, matroshka of like gift within gift within gift within gift um, and all British children love this game if you'd like to introduce it to your children's birthdays parties uh, I highly recommend it but this is the picture that comes to mind as I we think about Pentecost um, here as we, the culmination of the saving work of God through Jesus Christ. Uh, once in history, but the effects which then last to this very present moment. That we see sort of gift within gift within gift. The Father gives us the Son. Right? God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. The Son, Jesus Christ, gives his life for us. Another gift. The Father sends the Spirit through the Son, another gift inside the gift of Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit himself, once received, himself gives gifts, right? The, the, when we talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit, we mean the Holy Spirit himself. But the gifts, plural, of the Holy Spirit are the very gifts that the Holy Spirit then gives. So it's gift within gift within gift that we celebrate on Pentecost. It's the Holy Spirit who unites us to Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man in heaven, and brings to us the merits of his saving death on our behalf and his eternal glory in his resurrected humanity. I need to step aside from what I'm about to say from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 just to give a very brief teaching side note on um, Pentecostalism, because it's Naturally, in our American setting, to, when we hear Pentecost, we hear 1 Corinthians 12, it brings to mind, well, what about this church which takes the name of today's feast as the sort of name of their denomination? Pentecostalism, the Pentecostal churches, a network of churches that really has its origin um, in the very turn of the last century, around 1906. One of the things our Pentecostal brothers and sisters get really right is that God is as alive and powerful and moving and active today in his church as he ever was from the very first day of Pentecost and the Acts of the Apostles in the New Testament church that it's the same God then is the same God now and he can move and does move with the same power and the same joy and the same glory and our Pentecostal brothers and sisters they really get that right and they've actually their witness to this truth has breathe strength and life into the whole church. Just like we read in 1 Corinthians 12, when one part of, we are each members of one body, and when one member 
of the body does something right and true and good and orthodox, it, it strengthens the whole church. So they get that really right, but it's worth noting that they also do get some things wrong by excess. That I'm sure you've all had Pentecostal friends who've maybe urged to you the point that all Christians should speak in tongues. And just to say clearly and categorically, that's not true. The Bible actually is really clear that there's different gifts for different members of the body. That's the whole point of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so in excess of joy in what God can do, they make it a law for everybody. And they're wrong about that. And in that error, there's also, it forces a, a, sometimes a pious fabrication of the gifts. The real gift exists, but there are also counterfeits and fabrications. And part of the work of discernment is to learn the difference. And to discern, yes, this person, I, I've been prayed over by a bishop who prayed over me in tongues, and I felt like my soul caught fire. It was a great joy. And I've had many Pentecostal brothers and sisters pray over me with noises that they just sound okay. I'm like, I don't know what they're saying. And, you know. So there's the imitation and the real thing. And, and to be discerning to know the difference. To not cast out the baby with the bathwater in either way. So despite the branding of Pentecostalism, which would claim to be the church that inherits the feast, all Christians... The entire church across the entire earth who holds to the true orthodox doctrine of Christianity are heirs and successors of Pentecost. We all have the Holy Spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit who has come to indwell each of our lives when we came to Christ by faith and baptism. Okay, that's the end of the teaching side note. I just want to unpack briefly um, the three gifts mentioned in verse 10. There are many gifts in this list, I think a dozen or so. And this is not the only list in the New Testament that lists the gifts that the gift of the Holy Spirit gives. But these are three. The working of miracles. It's, we are believing a faith less than the biblical faith if we believe that miracles don't happen. In the same way that on the other side, God is not under our control. We don't affect his power like a genie's power. We're under his control. But he does work miracles. I've seen them on at least two occasions with my own eyes. I hope that in the course of your Christian life, you might have the encouraging privilege of getting to witness one. The invitation is to pray for things that are impossible when the Holy Spirit places it on your heart and see what God does. And perhaps sometimes he may answer in a miraculous way that cannot be explained by anything other than the finger of God. And I also want to say that miracles are not usually, sometimes, but they're not usually preventions of disaster. They're usually um, healing and reparation of broken things. Another gift is prophecy, and the reference here has to be for us what prophecy was as we see it fulfilled in the pages of Scripture. What are the prophets doing? They're speaking with clarity, convicting clarity, and divine, a divine forcefulness about the truth of God that we're called to live into as God's people. That's what the prophets are doing. And how often, more often than not, they are not listened to very well. But the prophecy, the gift of prophecy, is a clear teaching and speaking that challenges the heart of God's people. This is a gift that, by God's mercy, he himself enfolds into preaching, often, independent of the skill of the preacher, which is a great blessing and gift to all preachers the world over, that the Holy Spirit is the convictor, not the human. 
But it is not limited to preaching. It also functions in Christian conversation. There are at least two members of this congregation, and I leave for you to discern who they are in your conversations, who I believe have the gift of prophecy, who have exercised that gift toward me in conversation by bringing the Word of God in such an urgent and pressing and clear and loving and true way that my heart was cut open. That's the gift of prophecy. It exists among the people of God in our conversation. The last is the ability to distinguish between spirits. And I feel led to this particular verse in this list of gifts because I believe that this gift, outstanding among the others, is as needful for us Christians today as the gift of other, lang- other tongues was on the day of Pentecost. Like initially, there was the need to just get this good news out to all the different people groups. So the Holy Spirit was like, here's a bunch of languages. You can just instantly take this to the far ends of the earth. The list of nations recorded in Acts is the, the spread of the known world at the time. And to the very frontier of the spread from which the gospel would, would go yet further. But for us today, where the, have the availability of hearing the gospel is very widespread, not total, right? there are still countries where there are gifts of tongues, either studied or miraculously given, are needed. But in most of our, especially in our Western world, in a media-filled and information-saturated age, one of the biggest stumbling blocks for the people of God is lies. And I don't just mean lies at the level of facts, like you could just run by a fact checker sort of in the sort of fake news quality, like did that really happen? Those with a little bit of thoughtfulness and work, you, you can be pretty easily sniffed out. You don't, need spirit, you don't need a spiritual gift to discern something's a fact or not. But I mean lies woven into narratives and framings of situations where you have to have some other plumb line to know, is this the right way of talking about this thing that's happening? And the only truly right way is the vision of our life in God and the truths that God has set forward in Holy Scripture. We need a spiritual gift to discern what is false. And in that, also to to discern false reactions to the false, right? There's just so much back and forth swirling in the world and newspapers and the internet and everywhere to have discernment across all all things. To give just one instance, recognizing the lies woven into the movement of transgenderism doesn't mean we then fall into other lies of oversimplification, of how broken and complex we really are as human beings, or unsympathy, which would be a moral failing to not love others. We need to be discerning. We need the gift of discernment in this time. And it's not a gift we just muster up. You can't just sort of white-knuckle the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You have to ask. That's why the Lord said you can't participate. I need to remember quote the Lord exactly. He, um, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a child, you cannot enter it. That childlikeness is a childlikeness that asks. It says, Lord, I, these things that I'm dealing with, with your family relationships, with your friends at work, They require discernment. I'm not wise enough to see through and put the right things in the right categories as I look at it. Holy Spirit, give me discernment. And if you ask for it and then see what happens and you sense that, wow, I handled that kind of wisely. Don't take the credit. Give glory to God. See that you prayed for it. You discerned. Glory to God. 
We need to do it with all the teaching that we hear, both in the secular media, and, but also from churches. The books that we pick up that are by a Christian author to still discern, as it says in the scriptures, test everything. Test the spirits. See if, it, if the te- any teaching, does it take you by the hand as an f- adopted son or daughter of God and lead you back to the foot of the cross of Christ and the infinite gift of his shed blood? Or does it take you away from the need for that? And to discern, what is this teaching doing? Because sometimes teaching can sound Christian because it's using biblical words. But if it doesn't take you back to Christ, it's less than Christian. And it's not spiritual because the spirit is the spirit of Christ. We either need this gift for ourselves or we need to know someone in the congregation who has this gift. And this is the way intentionally that the Holy Spirit has knit the church together, giving some gifts to some and other gifts to others, so that when one person has a gift, we can all benefit from it. And so in your conversation with someone, you know, as we're chatting outside after church, you feel like, oh, that person really is seeing, discerning well. Maybe they have the gift of discernment and, you know, seek their, their counsel. And just to be 100% clear, because sometimes the church has been confused about this in the past, this isn't something where the clergy have any special claim over just all the people of God. We are all given the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So this last point, though, that I mentioned, um, that when one person has a gift for the strengthening of all, um, that's the real rub. To be seeking to be built up by each other through the gifts of the Spirit and to be using the gifts that you have been given for the building up of others, leading us all closer to Christ crucified. So in that vein, I want to end... um, Actually, just asking for that, to end with what, I just, to, with what I said we should do, which is to ask. So um, if you'd pray with me. Heavenly Father, we know that you have given us your Holy Spirit. We thank you for this infinite gift of uniting us to your own divine life, that we've become partakers of your own divine nature by your indwelling Holy Spirit. A gift we have not gotten our minds fully around. We thank you also that it's gift on gift, and we pray for the outpouring of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As we see them used so wonderfully and in a way so glorifying to you in the pages of the New Testament. We pray that you would pour them out on this congregation, different gifts to different members for the upbuilding of all of us in the knowledge and love of you and of your son Jesus. I do pray especially for an outpouring of the gift of discernment, spiritual discernment, that we might know what is true and cling to it and cling to you, Lord Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen.